Welcome. Thank you for joining me on another episode of FYI, I Am Damaged. I'm joined by Alyssa, who is an author, educational specialist, a mom, and a loving daughter. We're here to reflect on and enjoy the life of Patricia Pisacani. Hey, Alyssa, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, always running around and everything. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Thank you for joining me uh, for this episode, and I know this was weeks, months in the making, and we finally were able to make it happen. Thank you again for giving me your time to discuss this uh, heartfelt topic. Thank you for having me and to shed light on this. It's really great. (laughs) And what we're talking about, um, the topic for this episode is pancreatic cancer awareness. And Alyssa's mom has uh, unfortunately passed away from this. And as I said, we're here to pay homage to a wonderful woman, but you called her mom. Shine a light on this woman that raised such a great daughter. (laughs) Um, So my mom just had a way about her. It was just an aura almost um, that when she walked into the room, you just felt her presence. She was always bubbly happy she looked at the brighter thing on the brighter side of things mm. um even through her whole cancer journey she still had a very optimistic outlook uh she actually took care of my children while going through chemotherapy so mm. that i could teach um so really you just always felt this lightness about her and you tended to like embrace that and almost become that because of her so she was the life of the party she loved to (laughs) dance and make jokes many inappropriate jokes (laughs) but um she had everyone laughing and she just was just such a a joy to be around i can definitely attest to that (laughs) she's she had this this look on her face of you can't help but love me yeah exactly uh, have some fun (laughs) exactly Now, when the discovery of her pancreatic cancer happened, run us through your state of mind, and did your mom share with you her impressions of it at all? It really was out of nowhere. Um, It was actually Thanksgiving three years ago when she just turned yellow, Mm -hmm. and we were like, Mom, something's not right. Like, you have to go to the doctor, and... Uh, One thing about my mom is she hated hospitals. Mm -hmm. Uh, She really just didn't feel comfortable in a hospital setting. So when it all happened, it was just a shock to all of us. And I think I was always on the, you know how they say, like, fight or flight? Like, I was always on the, like, fight mode. Like, I never slowed down. I always kept being like, well, what can we do next? Uh, what, What new... Um, medicine is out there what is our next step and um, she was more calm about everything Um, and at one point I found a clinical trial at a different hospital than the one she went to and I really wanted to try it and she was just like Alyssa I'm comfortable where I am I'm comfortable with my doctor I'm comfortable with like our plan that's set up so she was always very focused and calm about everything she was just telling me, like, Alyssa, it's going to be okay. Like, whatever it is, it's going to be okay. But I guess I never... That, I was always just like, no, 
we're gonna we're gonna fight this. You're gonna overcome this. Like we're gonna get through this. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, it was hard. So she was <laughs> she was much more like the yin to my yang, where I was very anxious and mm-hmm. very. I always just like worried about her passing away, like the next day. Like it was always just like imminent for me. Whereas for her, she was like much more rooted and okay with what was happening, and she was calm. <laughs> Mm. the accept you you accepted it but you fought it so with Mm -hmm. her she she accepted it but she took a more kind of not laid back part of it but just okay i accepted this is what's going to happen did she not want to pursue treatment no so she was just she was getting chemotherapy um, she just really believed in her doctors. Uh, she was at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in the city, and she really just believed in them and what they, the plan that they had laid out for her. So she, yeah, I guess she accepted it. Whereas I don't know if I accepted it. I don't know if I actually accepted it until recently after mm-hmm. going to therapy, after being in support group. I don't know if I accepted. I think wh- when it was happening, I was like, "How is this really my life? Like, yeah. my mom has stage four pancreatic cancer. Like, how is that possible?" But that that that's a key. From what you said, that's a key word, mom. Mm-hmm. You're a daughter. That's your right. mom. Regardless of you being a mother now with your own kids, you're her child. Right. Exactly. She's going through it some it's that that gets lost to some people Mm -hmm. so that's completely understandable yeah you just wanted to say hey you're staying put and everything (laughs) and what did she admire that kind of determination from you knowing that she raised the fighter yeah so she at every doctor's appointment she would say to them i wouldn't be here without my daughter (laughs) (laughs) sorry um and she would just always say how basically like she wouldn't have been able to do half of the things that Mm. uh, she was doing without me and without my kids because it gave her just a new sense of strength because I had uh, given birth in July and then she was diagnosed that November Mm. so it was just really (laughs) they were so small and, like, she would always say that I was her purpose in life. Um, but then she, then when they were born, she said she found a new purpose. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And how would people who go to this situation, and especially during pregnancy and after giving birth, how were you able to manage if you did go through postpartum? A certain, mm. certain it, it, it pains me because... My wife has gone through postpartum depression, and it's it's no joke. Yeah. And how were you able to manage through that in that sort of frame of time dealing after your birth? Did you go to postpartum depression? Um. So my doctor said that I had a postpartum anxiety. Okay. Um, I don't know that. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I, I'm always an anxious person, so I just assume that's kind of what it was. But it was just another level where um, I would check if the babies were breathing like constantly i was afraid to leave them alone i was afraid it was just a whole nother level of anxiety and then i had some some level of depression once she was diagnosed so it was kind of just all compounded i i started seeing a therapist almost 
uh, immediately when she was diagnosed um, because it just all got really heavy. And I wanted to make sure that I was strong for her and I was strong for my children. So that way, my mom would always say that um, you have to be strong yourself before you can help other people. Um, and how they always say on the airplane, you have to put your oxygen mask on first before <laughs> helping others. That was really important for me that I stayed strong and that I could be there for all of them. Um, so I, I went to therapy almost like within a couple of months of her being diagnosed. Okay. It's very important that people tend to put themselves on the back burner. Mm -hmm. What were you able to do for yourself to kind of hold on to that sanity other than seeking a therapist? Was there anything that you discovered within yourself to help you deal with this journey that's beginning? And it's like, oh, man, it's this is going to be... A, freaking ride yeah um so actually i had i had always r wrote like i'm i love to write uh when i was little i had so many diaries <laughs> and journals um and then right before i gave birth i had written a whole draft manuscript of um about the love between like a mother and a daughter mm -hmm. and that was because my mom and i have always been so close she's always been my best friend even when I didn't realize it or know it, she was always just my rock because it was her and I always. Uh, she was a single mom. She took care of me by herself, which now having two kids, I realize how hard that is. <laughs> and she, you know, she was just amazing. So that was like the seed idea for my book. I started writing um, and it was really just something I enjoy. My, something I would do when I had free time, like for me. And then um, once I gave birth and then she was diagnosed, things were just insane and I couldn't really do it anymore. Um, and then my therapist was like, you need to keep doing things for yourself. Um, and that's when I went back to writing. Um, and it was so amazing because now that I look back, my story changed from being about the love between a mother and a daughter and more just about seeing love in everyday things because that was her, right? Like things like jumping in the puddles while it was raining. My mom wasn't the mom to be like, Alyssa, come inside. She'd be like, okay, let's go. <laughs> or like being outside and being in dirt and leaves and piles. And like, now I look at my kids when I jump in piles and I'm like, oh my God, what dog has peed in there? Or, But she would just be like, let's do it. And she'd be in the pile of leaves with me, like covered in dirt. Um, and sometimes like through her journey, I realized that people take this for granted. Like people don't understand that like these are, these are the important things in life. And like, this is what love and joy is about. Um, so I would write while she was in chemotherapy with her. <laughs> so she'd be reading her romance novels cause that was her thing. And I'd be writing and it was just like a special experience that I got to write this book mm. with her even though, you know, she was going through such a horrible thing in her life. And even through it, she was, she would laugh with the nurses. <laughs> She'd, it was just always uplifting. Um, so yeah, that was something I did for me really just to fill my cup and like make sure I was okay at the same time. And we'll definitely um, circle back around with the book that that's going to come out very soon. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's a wonderful thing from what I'm able to glean off everything you put up. It's going to be an amazing thing. Thank you. <laughs>
going back and when this all started, was there an immediate change to your mom's demeanor due to the diagnosis? And how would she keep that great smile on her face? What would she do to say strong and positive things to keep herself and those around her uh, maintaining? Mm -hmm. So I think what you said in the beginning makes so much sense is that she was still my mom. She would always try to have a brave face in front of me. The first time I saw a change was actually Labor Day. Um, and we found out that the cancer spread, um, sorry, <laughs> uh, from her pancreas to her lungs. And I think that was kind of the point where she was like, I'm scared. Like, <laughs> mm. and I saw it for the first time, like, and it became that she was a real person. Like she wasn't just my mom, but she's a person and you know, everything she was going through, um, it was scary. And it took her, I mean, that was a year. She had been on treatment for a year and I never saw it. I never saw her scared. I never saw her through a pandemic. She was going to chemotherapy and mm. always the bravest face. And my friends are so amazing. They would make her signs and we'd have like parties to celebrate her and like to celebrate her chemotherapy treatments and on cancer awareness day. And she always had a brave face, but once the cancer spread, I think that's when it became like real, like, man, I'm, I might die. Like mm. <laughs> this is, this is really happening. And, um, she would always joke with her doctors, <laughs> her, do her one doctor and she, her oncologist. And she would say, okay, but will you be my date for Valentine's day? Like, am I making it to Valentine's <laughs> day? Will you be my date? Um, and then once the cancer spread, she would just be like, Promise me that I'll be here for Christmas for my for my babies. Uh, promise me I'll be here for their first birthday, for their second birthday. So, you know, things definitely changed in her demeanor once once mm. it spread. Um, but she always set goals, and then in her head, I felt like those goals helped her keep it all in perspective and right. give her something to look forward to. And I, that's you're very right. People need that type of motivation, yeah. Especially self motivation. A lot of people give up too, too easily, even mm -hmm. through the face of any type of adversity. And now that's an amazing thing. And that it doesn't put her in a nutshell with that description because there's more to her than that. But <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. From what I reflect, things like every time I met her, she was just like a walking sun. Yeah. You you, you, you felt her. You felt exactly. Her. Was there anything your mom would do for you to keep your spirits up, regardless of whether it was before what we just discussed, uh, when she finally felt the diagnosis and um, going through this journey? And I'm sure she noticed how this was weighing on you. Mm -hmm. And no parent wants to see their child in pain, right. no matter what the circumstances. Mm -hmm. I mean, things she would do for me, uh, she just would still try to be normal even though our situation was not normal like uh something we always did in september even once i became a teacher uh we would go school shopping mm -hmm. <laughs> um and she would just get me new clothes or new shoes or whatever i needed for school that year and then once i became a teacher it would kind of be more like she would get me new pens or something silly for my classroom mm -hmm. um and then when she got sick uh it was the middle of a pandemic 
<laughs> um, so instead she would send me like, <laughs> even though she lives five minutes from me, she uh -huh. sent me like edible arrangements, <laughs> uh, saying like, happy first day of remote school or, um, things like that. So she still tried to be a mom and right. uplifting and, you know, she would, um, dance with my kids in the living room and she would still just try to be happy, even though. I knew that she really was in so much pain, but she never, I mean, <laughs> my kids talk about her all the time and they don't know the type of pain that she went through because right. she hit it always, <laughs> um, right. no matter what. <laughs> How did she adjust to not make it seem so different with, because your kids can see her one way and then mm -hmm. once it really started affecting her and most likely she was very she didn't have that much energy or yeah was it a curiosity to them like what's with grandma yeah they they would ask um like is nana okay uh eventually my mom moved in with us uh she did not want to <laughs> um but she was going to chemotherapy every week and then eventually she was on hospice so she stayed with us but she would just change the things she did. So in the beginning, she would um, walk around with them all the time. And then eventually she would like lay with them on the floor and they'd be all over her climbing on her. And um, But she would make sure she was still present in some way. And then once uh, she went into hospice, uh, her bedroom was on the first floor. So they would just come and spend the time in her room with her. like on her bed and she would read to them because they love being read to um or my son would bring all his trucks and like line them up on her stomach and it was just she would just alter what she would do but still make sure she was present in some way and i think that's like a big thing that i've taken away from that is like to be present like with right. social media and with our cell phones i feel like sometimes we get lost and we are not as present. And she just was of that generation that she hated texting. <laughs> uh, she wanted to be there present with you in that moment. And um, she did it for as long as she could. I mean, even up to the day before she passed away, um, she would say like, Gabriella, put on Blue's Clues. Let's sit and watch Blue's Clues together. <laughs> I mean, while she was in so much pain, mm -hmm but she refused to take morphine because she said she wanted to be there. She wanted to know what was going on. And if she was going to pass away, she wanted to make sure that she knew and was there mm -hmm. every step of the way. And she was. <laughs> and no, that, that's, that's a credit to her strength. Yeah. You've had to have those internal discussions with yourself about all of this. Mm -hmm. Take us through what someone is contemplating in those alone moments trying to process all of it and still having to stay strong deal with two kids a home work mm -hmm. and everything else what is the main thing that kept you going so in the beginning i felt really bad for myself <laughs> um i felt sorry for myself i was in a deep darkness uh and then eventually i realized this is not okay this is not the person my mom is um and then i i held on to everything good that i had in my life like my children my mom who was still present my husband uh, my my career and i focused on the good and just tried to always think once i started down the rabbit hole 
I kept going. So I would just try to stay positive. And I really do believe that positive thoughts and positive self-talk really work uh, because I would just talk to myself and talk myself through it and just say, like, we can do this. It's going to be okay. Like, we're going to figure it out. And talking about it, um, I became really involved in an organization, PanCan, um, who raises money and and um, awareness to pancreatic cancer and just being around people who get it right. <laughs> was just huge for me and being able to advocate for people who maybe don't know how to advocate because in all honesty my mom um, she had a very big mouth <laughs> um, and so do I so we were not the type of people to take a back seat and let healthcare tell us, no, you can't do that, or you can. Right. In the beginning, they, her insurance didn't even want her to be able to go to Memorial Sloan Kettering because they said she didn't need that type of care, that the care was the same everywhere. And how would they know? That? I, I right. That. Yeah. I spent hours calling, fighting, um, and then we ended up getting her there. Like, But it's just like those type of things. So now on the back end, I'm able to help people show them where they can go for help, show them who can help them. Um, Pancan has patient services that like can help them every step of the way and guide them. Whereas people don't know. And right. pancreatic cancer, you have to move so fast because yeah. it spreads so fast. It's yeah. so aggressive. So those type of things really help me to keep going. Mm -hmm. And even still. <laughs> Your husband, Oscar, shout <laughs> yeah. out to all the Oscars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Show us the importance of having your significant other be your support through this and his role to be there for the both of you and maintaining his half of your family dynamic. I mean, in all honesty, he probably took over <laughs> the whole family for a while. Um, but because he is just such a level-headed, calm rational person and i am the complete opposite <laughs> um so he would just he would i mean i remember when my mom found out the cancer spread and i just emailed him at work and just said like this is a really hard day he was home within 15 minutes mm -hmm. and he sat with us had lunch with us um he's just he took over the role that like i just couldn't handle because it was just a lot trying to be a caregiver trying to be a mom trying to be a wife um he would he would pick up the slack where i couldn't um he would help me take care of my mom always um especially like at night she had really hard nights i would have to sometimes sleep on the couch i would sometimes have to sleep in her room just to hear her we had to put a camera like a monitor so when she would call me she had to go to the bathroom or something and like he would always help any way he could, um, lifting her, <laughs> bringing her to doctor's appointments. I mean, it became, it became hard when like our kids had to go somewhere and my mom had to go somewhere. So we'd kind of like split. He'd take the babies, I'd take my mom right. or we'd switch. I mean, him and my mom had just such a beautiful relationship and she told me, um, I'm, I'm going to be okay when when I'm not here because I know that um sorry <laughs> I know that you have Oscar and you have his family and they'll always take care of you and so she just she loved him so much um so yeah I don't really know how how I would have gone through this without a support system because 
even just sometimes I just needed to cry <laughs> or I just needed him to like sit with me and just like hug me right. and he's not the best with emotions <laughs> <laughs> um but he would just hold me and let me cry and just let right. me be and that, that's really just you know all I needed especially at the end of the day when you're just like pulled in a million different directions yeah. um so yeah it was just it's just the most amazing thing to be able to be married to your best friend I mean really it's just he helped me so much <laughs> no that's that's amazing and you know good on you Oscar good job, <laughs> good, good job. <laughs> now was there in addition to your husband was there mm -hmm. friends and family members that offered um, insight and helped you also bear the load to help you just catch your breath and how important do you feel it is for people to help in general for those spearheading this kind of care? I mean, I, I think it's an integral part of this because um, even just things, again, like I told you, I kind of just kept wanting to fight. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of those ways was with Pankin, I would um, just do a lot of fundraising and it helped me feel like I was helping right. <laughs> uh, in some way. I would post about it. I would we do walks about it and my friends have been amazing from sending my mom <laughs> purple flowers um always to coming to events at our house to going to pancan and walking with us um they just have been family i mean I, I, it's the truth that she would always tell me um that they were her friends. <laughs> uh, she'd always be like, but those are my girls. <laughs> um, and it just helped make everything like the load lighter to have right. people that you can rely on and talk to and know that they will show up for you. Um, because, you know, not everyone has that. And right. it was just so important. I mean, they would make her signs <laughs> and, um, even my mom's birthday was on September 20th, and uh, we had, like, a little dinner at my house, and how many of my friends brought f roses, because that was her favorite flower, to say, like, happy birthday. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, those little things, and all those people that reach out and repost things that I post, just that type of support is just something that's invaluable. Like, it, you know, it's amazing. Right. Yes, yeah, sometimes you can take... Um a step back approach and let a person deal with it but mm -hmm. the support needs to be there for somebody who's in your life yeah uh, and a lot of people don't know how to approach that yeah and or what to say exactly <laughs> and it's it's a hey even if it's just you know hey i'm here for you or whatever and just a sense of being around in whatever sense and just say hey whatever you need uh, other people they're very those types they just don't know how to approach and it's okay it's yeah. all right you know it's it's as long as you make the effort i think the person going through it can understand definitely but, yeah you know, everybody has their own personality and mm -hmm. way of approaching things now with the you've mentioned um pan can the organization mm -hmm. multiple times uh take us through how you who made you aware how made you where did you do your own research and they came up and how you got connected to them in the beginning and what you're doing with them mm -hmm. and volunteering your time and all that. Take us through that for those who are listening to this that haven't gone through it and God forbid if they might go through it, 
how they can basically go get an express lane to like okay i know where to go to i know mm-hmm. who can give me knowledge of this and just help them support them through this type of journey if they go through it yeah definitely so first i um when i was having a lot of trouble with the insurance companies i just tried to do as much research as i could to see what organizations were out there um i know there are a lot of advocates healthcare advocates and so i tried to reach out to everyone i could to get my mom into memorial sloan um and this was the the advocates were through that organization or independently whoever you can i was just trying to research whoever came up like i literally reached out to all different type of healthcare organizations Mm -hmm. um and pancan came up as uh like a support so i reached out to them just in terms to see what they had to offer um and within not even 24 hours they replied to me uh they gave me all different services that they have that they can help you with i mean there was one point in my mom's cancer journey that I wanted her to try a, um, why can't I think of the word? Was it a trial? Like oh, a- thank you. <laughs> a trial. And I, I just didn't know what trial would work for her. I didn't mm-hmm. know what was good. Her doctor was kind of hesitant and I reached back out to Pancan patient services and they sent me a list of like 25 trials that oh, wow. were in the area Really? at all different hospitals. Wow. They were just, from the beginning, very responsive. Um, And then as my mom's journey continued to kind of get worse, I just wanted to be able to help. So I just volunteered in small ways, um, sent messages to Congress, uh, made phone calls, things like that. And then they were just very thankful, grateful um, to have volunteers to get this out there. And I realized that they weren't one of those organizations that were like, asking you for money or it wasn't like that it was more they genuinely cared um on my mom's birthday the um one of the supervisors at pangan sent me a letter like saying we know how hard this day must be for you Mm -hmm. we just want you to know we're with you like out of the blue out of the blue like they just genuinely cared um so it made me want to be part of it to to show other people that there's this organization that's amazing (laughs) that helps that brings awareness and then I joined their Facebook groups. So I started to get involved there as well. And then my mom passed away and I thought I wanted to take a bigger role in just getting pancreatic can- cancer awareness out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just because like the, the signs of pancreatic cancer are so small. Back pain, stomach pain, things that we deal with, especially getting older, yeah. all the time that you don't think to go to a doctor. Um, so I wanted to get involved, and then I actually joined uh, to volunteer as their communications chairperson, and I just felt like it was a great way for me to be a part of my mom in a way um, and do something good and help other people. And there have been so many people that, since my mom has passed, that have been like, um, your social media thing helped me go to the doctor. <laughs> or, awesome. uh, you know, and it's just little things like that that I'm happy that can help others. So... I did a lot of research. <laughs> I found <laughs> I found different organizations, and then I just found the one that really fit with me. Uh-huh. And Pancan is a smaller organization. It's New York City. the The chapter, the affiliate I'm part of, is New York City. Right. But again, people really genuinely care, and that's what like hit home for me. Definitely have links in the in my IG for your episode to them, so that people can go straight to them and. Um, just inform yourself. 
How important is it to not shut yourself off from these groups? And what do you learn and what strengths were you able to use to come to terms with this ongoing journey at the time and after? And it's more of a expansion of what you internally got from this. And I'm sure that since they were very supportive and that's mm -hmm. very... Uh, it gives you a foundation to spread that strength to others. Right. What were the strengths that you were able to develop within yourself that you're now giving to other people? I think really strength that I got from this whole journey, from being a part of Pankin, from my mom's diagnosis, from becoming a mom, <laughs> is really just like self-awareness. Being aware of what's going on around me, being aware of myself how I feel were you were you not as much of a mindful person back then as you are now I, I think that I just kind of lived in the moment mm. and like went from moment to moment and right. I don't think I except for in teaching I felt like in teaching I've always been a very reflective person because I feel that as a teacher you need to be reflective to grow mm. um, but I don't think I did that in my life as much I think I just kind of went with the flow and just right. did things as they came. And this whole journey and all these experiences have just taught me to be more self-aware, to be more reflective just within myself. Um, and that way, I think in being reflective, it has given me more strength and has allowed me to really understand what's going on mm -hmm. and put everything into perspective and really just then spread that to other people. Right. So yeah, I think that has been just like a huge thing for me. And also, I feel that before I was also a more negative person. Like I always was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. Like that was just, I always just thought like, oh, this is my luck. It's going to happen. Like, mm. and then now I don't think I view things like that anymore it has taught me to really just, it's going to be what it's going to be. And let's just right. enjoy this as we go. Um, and not be so critical because it's not helping anyone and it's just causing extra stress right. and extra, you know, anxiety that we don't need. <laughs> very true. Very true. We, we all need to lower the anxiety yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm, I'm interested to, to know if there was anything, if you've experienced that with, if people going through something, regardless mm -hmm. of what it is and their support groups like this and then however hard the journey, this journey becomes or the experiences and everything and they take a step back and it looked like you didn't take a step back mm -hmm. what would you tell somebody going through this they find a group like pancan mm -hmm. and it's just too much for them they need to withdraw what would you tell somebody to not withdraw to keep going and just find something within yourself to to just put one foot in front of the other yeah, I would say that you need to find your person or your people or your group and stay with it and just express how you're feeling and make sure, because I think once you do withdraw, that's when you start going down the rabbit hole and that's when you are alone and you get alone with your thoughts. And I think that was the hardest time for me was nighttime when I would be alone in my bed, well, with my husband, but I mean, I could think, right. like, he'd be in the bathroom or whatever, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and then he'd come out, and I'm hysterical, like, because that's when, you know, especially if you live alone, or mm -hmm. 
that's when it can really get to you. So you need that group. You need that community, whether it be something like Pankin, whether it just be a group of friends or a support group um, so that you don't withdraw because once you do, then it can just be a very isolating thing. I mean, right. especially when my mom was diagnosed, I was like, my mom has cancer. And, you know, at that point, that wasn't really anything I was hearing from other people around me. Like, I just felt like I was so alone and how was I going to do this and what was going to happen? And it just seemed bigger than me and I didn't know what to do with that. Right. Um, so being a part of something, having friends to support me, having people around really just helped keep me present and uplifted and not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> That's great. I hope that people heed those words and, you know, find it in themselves, just don't give up. Mm -hmm. Now, when this shifted gears to your mom being in hospice, take mm -hmm. us through that and how were you both able to manage as much as one could and how were you able to reconcile that it's almost time? Yeah, it was just... Um one of the hardest things because my mom's biggest thing every time we met with her oncologist she would say I'm not stopping chemo I'm not stopping and he'd be like you're in so much pain like chemo was her stomach was so bad she had so many bad side effects from it and she refused to take medication and she refused to stop that would always be her thing no I have to be there for the baby's first birthday I have to be here for the baby's second birthday. Like, she had all these goals and all these things. So when we went to that final appointment and he was like, we have to stop chemo, she just broke. And it was just the hardest thing because she was like, I don't want to stop chemo. He was like, at that point, she had had a heart attack. Uh, she had had a stroke. Wow. Um, because the, she barely weighed, I think, 100 pounds. And this medication, this medicine was so hard on her. Um and she hated hospitals and was in and out so much. Um, so then we knew she had to do hospice. Um, she didn't want to stay long-term in a hospital, so that's kind of how we went about it. Mom, if we do hospice and you can stay with us. Right. And, you know, her doctor told her, it doesn't mean you're never going to go on chemo again, uh, which I don't think was the fairest thing to say because I think we all knew at that point, right. you know, things were coming to an end. So it, w it was really hard for her. It was hard for me. And then it was almost like that day things change in terms of I was taking care of her, but I wasn't her sole caregiver. I felt like she still took care of herself so much. She lived on her own the whole time wow. um, in her house going up and down stairs. Um, but then this became like I became... It was like a full circle almost in life where like I became the mom right. and she, you know, I had to take care of her and... She hated that. Um, she hated that I had to take care of her. She would fight me to do things because she just wanted to do it herself. She didn't want to have to have someone else take care of her. So the whole process was really hard. Um, I don't think that people prepare you for hospice. <laughs> um, like I feel like there should be a course or something before you go on it. Um, because, you know, it was me administering medication, me doing everything, taking care of her showering her, bathing her, you know, things that I guess you just don't realize. Um, but especially, like, 
if something she wasn't feeling good in some way and I'd be like do I give her this medication do I give her this medication like they kind of just gave me a box of medication and they said wow. you know you give her based on how she's feeling and I'm like looking at the chart like which what are her symptoms what you're am I giving her yeah exactly it became <laughs> intense um especially since she didn't like medication <laughs> so it was always like kind of a battle in that way too um and then you know my I, when I would meet with my therapist, she'd be like, you should have the conversation with your mom about death. Like, talk to her about the process because you're never going to get this time back. And right. just kind of talk to each other about it. And I did. And she, you know, we did a lot of crying. But, like, I could tell that she was almost to the point where she was ready. And even the last night um, that we had with her, she became unresponsive during the day um it just like happened out of nowhere she just it just happened out of nowhere it was so random that she just kind of stopped responding to me um she stopped talking and then Oscar came home that night and we just uh, sat in her room with her and just told her stories (laughs) about things that the three of us had done together because Oscar and I had dated for was it 10 years before we got married um so you know he knew my mom really well and we just sat there with her and told all the different stories we had about the different trips we took um and then during the night like I told her mom I know this is hard it's okay if it's time like I'm gonna be okay and I don't know if I believe those words at the time but now I know that they were true. Um, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, that was the hardest thing is just telling her, like, it's okay. Like, because I think the reason why she was holding on for so long was for me, uh, for my two children. Right. Um, you know, she just had so much love and she wanted to be here to give it. Right. So... Once I told her that, I think the next day her hospice nurse came because I called and I said, listen, things are really bad. And then um, my friends came over. (laughs) They ordered food. Uh, My one friend brought her son. So all the kids were running around screaming. Everyone was laughing and talking. And we kind of all, all took turns going into her room, just talking to her and like kind of saying our goodbyes. And Oscar was at work. He got home and uh, she passed away like two minutes after he got home. So like (laughs) she even waited for him to be there because she knew I would be a mess. So she went the way she wanted in, you know, in the scheme of things when we think about it. And I think of hospice and whole and she was able to be with all these people she loved listening to everyone having the best time hearing these kids that she loves so much um and just being surrounded by love and you know so if i was able to give her one thing i'm just happy that she wasn't in a hospital because that's not that wasn't her wishes she wasn't attached to any kind of equipment she wasn't on any heavy medication she was just present and then she got to go right and i i would definitely say it's a testament to her you know to her and her strength where love is followed 
and yeah. then with the love that she the love that she gave to everyone then strength followed yeah so she she was full circle within herself <laughs> You know, That's very I, true. And I didn't know her for long and just, you know, for a couple of years as, as I got to know you and, you know, with everybody in, in our group. And yeah. it's, she always stuck out. She always stuck <laughs> out. And, and that's how she wanted it to be. Yeah. That's, that's the person she was from what I've gleaned off of her. And it's, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was an amazing thing to know someone like that because it's rarely to, it's rare to meet someone like that. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> At what point in time did you start therapy? What did you take from it to help your process and seek to find the road to come to terms with losing your mom? It's people tend to just withdraw and see if they can self-heal, but not many people can do that. Let us know the, the, the benefits of how you benefited from therapy. Yeah, I mean, I think that I thought in the beginning, too, like, I could just self-heal. But I just feel like I was always very hard on myself. um, And there were things I just couldn't see, you know, because I wasn't looking in. Uh, So being able to have my therapist, she, like, she walked me through things. She talked me through things. Um, There was a point in my mom's journey where she, um, so at one point when she had the stroke, she started to not know who people were and that's when we stopped her chemotherapy mm-hmm. and it was i was so sad and i was so i don't know all over and my therapist is like because you're grieving her she's still alive but you're grieving her mm-hmm. and then when she stopped her chemotherapy she became lucid and normal again nice. so it was like a back and forth and i just was so not prepared for that because i was grieving her and then i didn't have to it, And then I knew eventually I was going to have to grieve her again. So that was so hard. But having someone to just talk it out with and just tell me what I'm experiencing and be able to help me with it. Um, And even just, I started seeing her when she was diagnosed, maybe uh, one or two months after. um, It was actually Evelyn, (laughs) who was like, you need to see someone. (laughs) I was just a mess. I was just a mess. Um, In school, I was... Every time the students weren't with me, I'm in my classroom crying. Like, I, I just wasn't myself. And I had to be a teacher. I had to be a mom. I had to be a wife. Like, I I just wasn't doing any of those things well at that time. Right. So then I ended up reaching out to a couple of different therapists. And then I found this one that I really clicked with. We mesh well. She gets me. She actually lost her mom. So that was just, like, a whole other level of her understanding And it helped having a therapist while my mom was going through chemotherapy because so many different things came up, especially with my anxiety. Like every time a scan was coming up, her uh, scan to see if the cancer had spread, like I couldn't sleep the night before and I would just be a mess and being able to talk to her about it or sometimes we'd have an extra session that week or sometimes, you know, she would just give me different strategies to deal with the anxiety in a healthy way. And then on top of that, so being with her through my mom going through chemotherapy and then my mom passing away, after she passed away, I was so angry and like just angry at the world and like just being like, well, how's it fair that you still have your mom or this person's taking their mom for granted or it was just all these uh, emotions that were not healthy. 
So she helped me work through that and talk right. about what I was experiencing and the stages of grief and things that I just would have had no idea about. Right. So just having that sounding board and that person who's objective, she, you know, she's just an extra person to give me that solid advice and talk me down and help me stay level-headed, which I needed. Do you still remember some of the helpful things that you said that she was able to coach you through and give you tips and um, certain ways to help deal with it? And do you still use them? Uh, do you do you recall any of them? So something that she had me do um, was journaling. Mm -hmm. So again, going back to my writing, I had kind of stopped, especially once my mom got sick and whatever, I, I stopped doing a lot of things working out i stopped doing it because i just i couldn't physically get myself to want to do things right. um so she would make a list with me of things that i was going to do that week and then she, the next week we check in did i actually do them so it kind of like held me accountable and then she helped me set goals and then those goals we would see like we'd give myself a time period and then did i actually do those goals or am i just like saying it <laughs> um <laughs> Because especially in the beginning, I just, I wanted to sleep a lot. Like, I just felt like sleeping, I would escape it. Mm -hmm. And the holidays were coming up, and that was just, like, huge. Something else that she really helped me with is, like, setting boundaries. Because <laughs> I am not good with boundaries. <laughs> me, setting them or having them. Like, you know, I, I don't do any of that well. Uh, so, especially, like, with the holidays, like, letting Oscar know what I needed. Or, I can go here for this long, but if I'm telling you, like, I need to leave, we need to leave. And he was so good about that. Thankfully, you know, I have that support, but things like that, that she told me. And even still, I journal now, still to this day, just feelings. And something that my mom did that I had told her about was that my mom, I found after she passed, had written me, like, a whole bunch of letters. Wow. Um, yeah, in a journal, just, like, telling me what happened in, like... It was not, again, nothing significant, <laughs> just things that we did together. Like, today we went to the grocery store and you picked out this and it was the funniest thing. So then she was like, why don't you start doing that for your kids? Mm -hmm. So, like, have a tradition that you can say, well, Nana did this for me, so I'm doing it for you. Right. And, you know, so she's really helped me keep my mom present in my kids' life. Right. To make sure that, like, she stays alive and she helps me do that in a positive way, so... Now, this is probably going to be like a, a, a simple question because <laughs> the way you interacted with your mom and everything, but was there nothing left unsaid between you and your mom? Did you and your mom have an open line of communication? I would say yes. <laughs> Knowing what is to come and left nothing off the table. If you did, tell us of that experience. Yeah, so I think if there's one positive that came from this cancer and this journey we went on it was that nothing was left unsaid because I think that before especially in my high school years and I guess we could all say it or and even in my college I was very I think I was very entitled in terms of with my mom like I just expected her to do things for me because she did she did my laundry even even in college like I would come home and she would do it for me and she would make me food and she would she kind of just did everything I needed and I never had to do really much for myself in that way and then through this process I really learned the value of doing things for myself right. <laughs> um, because you know especially becoming a mom and then having her sick so this has taught me so much but in 
in learning all this, I actually was able to express it to her and say how much I, I, I was thankful that she did this for me and what she taught me. And, you know, we were able to have those kinds of conversations and, you know, I was able to apologize even though, you know, she was like, you don't need to apologize. Like, this is what a mom does. But, you know, I did need to apologize for myself because I think I just took a lot of things for granted. You know, I was spoiled. I was an only child. It was just me and her. So I just expected, like, this is this is life. This is what should happen. But that's not real. That's just the type of person my mom was and the environment she created for me, even right. though, you know, my father was an alcoholic and was abusive to her and she she always shielded me from it and even till the end she shielded me from everything so we got to have that open line of communication and you know she was able to tell me things and that was just very powerful that you know there was nothing left unsaid everything should be on the table especially Mm -hmm. dealing with something as strong as this yeah that's something awesome that people should take with them is that let it out talk put everything out there now when did i know we spoke on this earlier in the beginning Mm -hmm. but take us through now when did the book take shape and what is the goal you set for yourself the book started i would say about five years ago uh four and a half five years ago again it was just really just trying to illuminate or bring to life the love between a a mother and her child um, because it's just so powerful and you know now being a mom I even realize how how much more powerful it is but the relationship that I had with my mom just was something that got me through so many things in my life so that's where it started I wrote a whole draft about it um, you know a million drafts (laughs) and it changed many, many times, but then um, once she got sick, it really took on this new form, something that just felt more important to me, especially in terms of really understanding that things in our life, these little things mean so much. So it took that turn and then being able to be in, a, in her doctor's office with her, writing with her, you know, took on a whole nother level for me that, you know, we got to kind of do it together (laughs) in a way. Um, (laughs) And that she got to be part of the project and part of the process. And then, you know, that it kind of just, when she passed away, left me with peace that it'll be part of her legacy. Like this book will show and exemplify how how much of an amazing person she was. The fact that she saw love and joy everywhere is just something that I don't know it's incredible right like it's something that inspires me and inspires me to be better every day so it just took on a whole new life um, a life I'm very proud of (laughs) and my goal is just really just to get people to see it read it feel it Um, you know being able to read it to my kids has been just an amazing surreal experience and the fact that like other people will be able to experience it and you know experience her in right. some level just brings me so much happiness and what an amazing way to 
try and help people see through eyes of love. Right. And for those that have these type of experiences, the journeys that they've gone through and would like to share them in this form and as in book form, what is your advice for them? I just, I, something I really think is big is like, just keep writing because even now I'm still writing. Even though this book is done, I'm just working on more things because I think writing helps you just get it out. And then also reach out to people. I've been doing so much cold outreach, uh, messaging all these different people on Instagram and Twitter and <laughs> everywhere. Um, and sometimes people answer. So, you know, you get that one answer, that one interest, and then it builds. And that's essentially what happened to me. You know, one of my friends helped by sending it to someone they knew, and then they sent it to someone they knew, and it just became into something great. So you just never know. Just keep doing that outreach. Keep trying to talk to people and just like talk to people you know and they'll help you <laughs> right. i take that very personally because in starting this mm. you can't really approach it as everybody should come to me right regardless of how strong the idea is regardless of how strong the creativity of it is it's that's the one thing people should very take from it and on my perspective it's along with yours it's just do it just put yourself yeah, out there exactly like yeah. putting yourself out there and like you know i just keep being like i hope people love it because i love <laughs> it and you know it's scary to put yourself out there oh, but i think yeah. doing it yeah. is the only way you're gonna do anything <laughs> exactly exactly don't don't do not ever 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 expect everything should come to you because right. you think it should right regardless of how good the idea is yeah exactly <laughs> Look, after all is said and done with the, the book and it's ready for print and it's coming out around the corner, what's your takeaway from this labor of creative love? People, it's, it's hard for somebody, and we discussed this before mm -hmm. we even started talking, it's just that creativity part of it. It's its, its own beast. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to deal with when you're not in that creative space. And what's your personal takeaway from it? with having a thought being manifested physically mm -hmm. and that you're sharing it with the world now. Yeah, it's just, I think it's therapeutic. It's, it's really just amazing to be able to cultivate these words and these ideas and create and make it something. It's so special. And I think that being able to do it, I feel blessed that just being able to put these words out there, being able to share my story with people, even just people who have been like liking my Instagram and my Facebook posts and I just get so much fulfillment from it being like they believe in this they believe in my words and my project in my mom like all of that is just surreal like you know it's just something that I never thought could happen and it's just a beautiful thing that it can right. um so it's so great <laughs> and it's off of a thought off, off of a of, thought right exactly. like a, it's unbelievable that these words that these pages that i scribbled turned into this you know big thing so <laughs> <laughs> and thank you again for joining me and uh, giving me your time and telling your story and what are your uh, do you have any final thoughts any shout outs and anything you would like to say to anyone before we go 
um, I just want to thank you for having me on and being able to shed light to this, you know, to this topic and to my whole story and my whole process. No, I think that you summed up your questions were amazing. Um, my you. book does come out November 1st. Uh, love is everywhere. Um, yeah. It absolutely is. It's always, <laughs> always everywhere. Uh, thank you, Alyssa. And thank you for everyone who has supported the podcast, who listen, and, and nothing is ever taken for granted. Um, thank you for those who have reached out. If you feel you have a story to share and your strengths and want to discuss your journey, by all means, please reach out to me when you can. I'm mainly on Instagram. And Alyssa, please give us your IG handles, everything you want to share so that they know where to go. You can go to my page and I've friended her pages so you can see her through me but by all means please give us your all your information for oh. the book and yourself and everything <laughs> sure yeah. um facebook it's author Alyssa londonio um instagram it's at a londonio 0612 uh twitter is the same at a londonio 0612 oh. and then i have a i have a link tree and a website but it's all connected to my instagram <laughs> cool there you go Anyone else, I know, um, you can shout out, uh, I mean, Pancan and everything. I mean, who else do you want to shed light on? I'll definitely throw the links out there when I put mm -hmm. my Instagram posts in. By all means, who who would you like to shed light on as a thank you to all of this? Um, definitely Pancan because they've been a huge support. Um, I really am blessed to work with them because they're an amazing organization. Um, all of my friends, you know, from my girls to you know i have <laughs> different groups but they all support me in so many ways and it's just a beautiful thing um you know i have my <laughs> healthy challenge group <laughs> that keep me motivated and then i have my other group for that we've been friends forever you know and it's just so amazing and then i have my beautiful husband oscar and my family because they have also been a huge support through this so. <laughs> and i was it, it it's wonderful like the cover and the f I guess the photo that you posted up that you used for the cover, uh -huh. <laughs> I, I wanted to touch on it. By all means, please, like, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, expand on that. So it's just something that I took from being a teacher also was just I felt like there weren't that many diverse books in my library. Like, we had so many similar books, and it just felt like, you know, I was in a Title I school with Evelyn, and, you know, we have so many kids from all these different backgrounds, and they're just diverse and I wanted my book to be diverse and have this bubbly main character so I based it off my daughter <laughs> Gabriella um, she has this crazy wild curly hair and she has this bubbly personality and you know she always has to have a bow in her hair and she has to pick the bow I can't pick the bow um, so you know it was just nice and she has this tan skin that is the most beautiful thing ever and so it's just been great to have her in it. And when I read it to her, my son, her, they'll be like, Mommy, that's us. And it's <laughs> nice that, like, you know, they see similar similarities between them and the characters. So that's been really nice, too. <laughs> From what I can see, it's going to be a beautiful book. Thank you. Um, RJ and I are pre-ordering it. And, <laughs> you guys are so you sweet. Know, and, yeah, no, that's that's the way you do it. You don't support by asking for something you support by going out there and getting what someone's putting out and yeah that's what we do that's what we're going to encourage everybody else to do thank and you. just get it out there as much as possible thank Again, you so Alyssa, much thank you very much for no thank time. you 
And all right, everybody. This is Oscar Luna for FYI. I am damaged. This is Alyssa Londonio for FYI. I'm damaged. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys.